0: Good morning everyone, and what a great privilege it is for me to be able to read the Bible today to you. Our sermon reading today comes from Matthew chapter five, starting at verse 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt, if the earth, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Uh, Let me pray as we get into it. Uh, Dear Lord, as we reflect on this theme of light, we're so thankful that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Help me now to speak faithfully from it, that we might be the people you have called us to be. Amen. Uh, In a moment, I'm going to put some uh, pictures on the screen or, or a person on the screen. And I want you to tell me, who this person is. Okay, we'll see how we go. There's three pictures all together. Uh, some are more obscure than others. But we'll see how we go. Okay, here's the first one. Okay, does anyone know who this person is? You should. Like, he's actually famous sometimes. it's such a random bloke. Kelly Slater. Yes. Kelly Slater. Excellent. So, next picture. Kelly Slater is a surfer. Uh, he is, was uh, the world champion uh, surfer for a number of years. Okay, here's our next one. Lionel Messi, Lionel Messi. well done. Okay, so soccer player. Uh, I don't know if people know who he's playing for right now. I believe it's Paris Saint-Germain, is that correct? Yep. See, I know this stuff. <laughs> uh, yep, okay, here's the next one. I reckon this one's a bit harder. But it has been in the news lately. Got nothing? That is Magnus Carlsen, and he is the world champion or the grand master chess champion. I'm uh, not quite sure the exact title, but he's really, really good at chess. But, and I'm glad he won because the other guy has a really long name, and that was going to be more challenging. Yeah, I like to surf. I went out yesterday afternoon with my daughter. There there wasn't a lot there, and and that was just fine. Uh, But, yeah, if you go back to someone like Kelly Slater, to talk about Kelly Slater and to talk about me surfing in the same sentence is just completely (laughs) and ridiculously out of place. Yeah, if he is way up there, then I am way down there somewhere. Like, it's just completely disproportionate to talk about me and him when we're talking about surfing. And the same would go for any of us uh, playing soccer, let alone chess. But in our passage today, uh, we've been talking about this theme of light. And we are described as the light of the world. Now, that is the same language that Jesus uses to describe himself. And so we're given the honour of, of sharing in that title. And that's an incredible idea, uh, but with that also comes a responsibility. So in our passage uh, yesterday, we read these words, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And then a little bit later, uh, in John's account of events, he records these words, I am the light of the world, this is Jesus speaking, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. So Jesus is the light, and if we follow Jesus, then we have that light. But that light isn't just for us to restore us and to restore our relationship with God. That light then has a purpose. It has an outward role to play. And so from our passage, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And so the first thing that we need to hear in this passage is that we all have a responsibility. You light a lamp because you want the lamp to do something. You want it to illuminate and for that illumination to have a positive impact on those people around it. So to say my faith is personal and private is really only half true. It is personal, but it's not private. And so to put our light under a bowl, or to you know, use the rest of the passage, you know, uh, if, a, if salt loses its saltiness, then what is it good for? You know, the old saying goes, you know, war, what is it good for? And what's the answer? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, as Christians... We have both a privilege, but we also have a responsibility. And I do wonder sometimes, even including myself, whether we have lost some of the radicalism of the gospel, uh, that perhaps we've domesticated it, and we sort of end up sort of trying to work out how do we fit being a Christian into our lifestyle rather than turning it the other way around and going, how does my commitment to Christ actually define my lifestyle and my life choices. And the end goal in all of it, we see in verse 15, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we don't just want to influence people so they have a better life. We don't just want to have a positive impact on society. We want them to have a truly better life, one that is lived in relationship with the God who created us. Uh, And that is how God created us. God wanted us to live in relationship with him. And so let me suggest uh, four ways that we can be a light in the world. Uh, and the verse is from our passage. Uh, we need to be like a city on a hill. So imagine uh, if you are travelling by yourself, walking on a, a desert road through the night. Uh, you are tired, and you are tired of being afraid. You know, as you walk along, you're, you're afraid of, of wild animals, you know, jumping out at you. You're afraid of robbers. You're afraid that you know somewhere along the line, you know, along the way, you've taken the wrong road. You know, should you have turned left? instead of right. And all of those fears are relieved when you walk over a crest and you see the light of a city up ahead. Now, all of a sudden, that becomes an image of safety and security. Those lights lead you home. Uh, That is what we should offer as Christians. Uh, In a world that is lost in darkness, we want to offer something that is truly steadfast but is that how we are perceived in the world Uh, or do we look as flustered and as worried as everyone else and if we do then then why do we look like that why are we so worried about life what are we worried about and what does that say to everyone who is observing us so what would it look like uh, for us to be a city on a hill And we saw some of it in that Isaiah passage and certainly if you continue to read uh, this chapter in Matthew, you'll get a a picture of what this light looks like. But just to pick up some themes, uh, if we're going to be attractive, then we need to be trustworthy. Uh, We need our yes to be yes and our no to be no. We need to do what we say we will do when we say we will do it. And it means we need to be people of integrity. Uh, we don't lie or cheat or leave out details uh, to, you know, encourage our preferred outcome. and We don't undermine other people just to improve our own sense of value or our own image. And we don't just wait for opportunity to do good, we actually seek it out. And we think less about our rights and what is fair, and we think more about what is generous and gracious. And if someone uh, takes advantage of us because we're a Christian, then in the words of Jesus, uh, we turn the cheek and offer the other one as well. But at the end of the day, our goal is how is God glorified as people see us? Uh, What does it look like for us to be content, uh, even when we might materially have less, or being thankful if we are blessed to have more? And it means having peace, even when we face uncertainty and when we face suffering. Now, I don't think Jesus is using the city as a metaphor for the church, uh, but it does work. Uh, People should be able to come to church and they should hear something that is completely different to what they hear in the world. Uh, But they should also see it lived out in the way we talk to each other, the way we treat one another. Uh, the way we welcome people who aren't just like us you know we're we're a motley bunch from all sorts of different backgrounds and educations and sort of work experiences and cultural heritages but we have one profound thing in common and that is christ and so whether we're talking individually or collectively god has set us up to be looked at Uh, that is overwhelming and humbling And when we get it wrong, it's sometimes humiliating. Uh, It's a privilege, but it's also a responsibility. So we should be a city on a hill that attracts people to it. Uh, But perhaps a little more modestly, uh, we're also a little bit like a nightlight that you put on in a bedroom. This is a very brief point, but I do think it's significant. If a city attracts people to it, then a nightlight is all about comfort. Uh, it's a gentleness it's meeting a person where they're at it's about compassion and sometimes that's our role as as christians to simply walk alongside people to sit beside people and to listen Uh, and as we do that and as we care for them we have the opportunity to hopefully speak gracious words and words of comfort to them so we're a city on a hill uh, we're a nightlight but we're also like a lighthouse yeah a lighthouse guides uh, they show the way into the harbour like a city on a hill but a lighthouse also warns i think for many of us it's tempting uh, to reduce being a christian down to having a sense of peace or doing good for the community uh, but that's a long way short of the whole message Uh, We need to talk about the God who loves us, the God who created us, but we also need to talk about the sin that destroys us. And we need to talk about the consequences of that sin and the consequences of our choice. Uh, Some will accuse us of peddling guilt and shame, and we can understand from their perspective how they would see it like that. Because from their perspective, there is no God, there is no right and wrong. But we know differently, and so we want to share that message. And it's a message that comes with good and bad, doesn't it? The bad news is we are sinners. The good news is that God is offering grace. But we do need to be clear that there is something fundamentally wrong. And at the same time, our concern for people is not just uh, that we're ethically out of step with God. The bigger issue, of course, is that we're relationally out of step with God. And so we don't simply want someone to be faithful to their wife, we want them to be faithful to Christ. I think uh, there's a little bit of a digression. Uh, we often, as Christians, uh, lament the moral decay of our society. And certainly if you're a parent, uh, then we lament how that impacts our children you know, what's the world that our kids are growing up in. And often the temptation is to think, well, how do we change our culture so it's a safer place uh, for us and, and for our children? So we want to, our culture to you know, have the values that we have. I think when we try to do that, we can't be surprised that the culture is not moving with us. And so actually, I think we need to start at completely a different place where we, the solution is to raise resilient children, uh, children who clearly understand God's mercy and grace and justice and who recognize that light and who love that light and who are proud to have that light yeah our culture says everyone needs to behave in a way that makes me feel comfortable and what I need to be a happy human is affirmation Uh, we need to say to our children our comfort comes from the light we have in Christ and that takes away the power of our culture Uh, Because they no longer have power, or we no longer crave the affirmation that our culture seems to demand. And that freezes up to be this is our last one. I didn't have the technical name for this, but one of those lightsaber baton torches that you see those air marshals have. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, I'm sure there's a technical name, I'm sure it's very impressive. Uh, but yeah, those baton torches, their, their job is to you know, point the, the pilot on the plane uh, to where it should go. And again, that's us. Our job is to point people to Christ. So in the words of Peter, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So our light comes from recognising that Jesus is our Saviour who died for us on the cross and recognising His Lordship. And He is the one who deserves our honour and praise and glory. Uh, that's what we know and that's what we want to point people to. Uh, we're not just going to point people uh, with our conduct and how we behave, but also with our words. And I think part of the challenge of that is our own conviction. Yeah, are we convinced of the gospel message that we say we believe are we confident in it uh, do we fa- feel we could say it in a way that is clear and concise and compelling to someone else and i think we've all had you know moments in time and i was talking to one of my kids about this where we've had the opportunity and it's right there and the conversation's there and we've just let it go you know partly we panicked partly we didn't know what to say in the moment partly we just thought it'd be awkward uh, but for whatever excuse The moment gets lost and of course we then sit you know back afterwards just kicking ourselves for not seeing it and taking it Uh, so we do need to prepare ourselves don't we we need to imagine what's it going to be like to have these conversations and how do we prepare ourselves to answer the questions that might come Uh, it's not easy but i think here's a, a few things that are helpful Uh, Number one is be positive about being a Christian and let people know you are a Christian right from the start. I think that's part of self-respect, just being honest about who you are. But I also think there's an authenticity to that. And once you've nailed your flag to the mast, uh, then it's that much easier to have those conversations. And people aren't going to be surprised when you start talking about Christian things because you've already told them you're a Christian. I think number, number two, don't be dissuaded by the mood at the moment that says we shouldn't try to influence what other people believe. Uh, it's kind of that attitude that they put on Christians, but we don't actually hold as a culture. What they really mean is you're allowed to influence people uh, in terms of what they believe. You can even coerce them uh, economically and socially if the cause is right and good and moral. But the view at the moment is our culture has a moral message. Uh, The Christians have an immoral message. And so the Christians should be quiet. And the temptation is to buy into that pressure. Uh, But we should share uh, what we have, because what we have is good. Our society needs it. They might not recognise it. And some in our society won't thank us for it. Uh, Loving people is telling people what they need to hear, which isn't always what we want to hear. And so we can't stay silent. Uh, We can never coerce, we can't manipulate, of course, but we can't stay silent. I think number three is have a clear gospel framework in your mind. Could you answer that question, what do you believe as a Christian, in one minute or less? And if you need a bit of help sort of organising your thoughts, then, you know, something like Two Ways to Live. If you've never heard of Two Ways to Live, basically six little pictures. If you can remember the picture, you can remember the point. The very short version, uh, God created the world, including us. Uh, We think we're our own little kings, and so we reject God and we sin. Uh, The consequences of sin, I'm working across the top here, is death, uh, that our, our sin separates us from God. Uh, Thankfully, God sent his son, Jesus, uh, to come into the world to die on the cross for our sin. And Jesus rises again from the dead, so he's not defeated by sin. He rises, he rules with his father, and so we have a choice. We have a choice to try to continue living our way and be our own little kings, or we can choose to recognise Jesus as the king who created everything, who has saved us and who calls us to follow him. Now, in most conversations, you don't have this neat little conversation. It's always messier than that. But how do you then incorporate that into a conversation? So if people are talking about just how messed up the world is, well, there's an invitation to talk about sin. If people are talking about death and what happens after death, well, there's a conversation to talk about the Lordship of Jesus. But whatever the conversation is, it's always going to be messy uh, and thankfully it doesn't just rely on us. Uh, i think number four is ask questions you ask people what they believe and why they believe it and i know this should go without saying but we need to ask from a perspective of being truly interested Uh, so ask questions once you ask questions ask more questions and you might have the opportunity uh, to share what you believe and why you believe it. that might open up a whole new conversation Uh, number five uh, we need to pray Uh, We can commend and persuade, but God can actually work from the inside. He's the one who opens eyes and opens hearts and opens minds. Uh, So let's pray that God might work through us, uh, but equally that God might continue to work in them. And then number six, going back to our city on the hill. Our behaviour needs to be consistent with our words. Because if there is a difference between our words and our behaviour, then no one is going to hear our words. You know, if people look at us and say, you say you're a Christian, but you just look like the rest of the world or even worse, then no one is going to hear the gospel through that. And so we need to live consistent lives. You know, it's rather overwhelming to think that God would choose people like us to represent him and to give us the title light of the world. Uh, We certainly don't feel worthy. In fact, I think we feel completely the opposite. We feel completely unworthy and inadequate. Uh, Thankfully, God doesn't leave us alone with this responsibility, Uh, that we have God's spirit in us, uh, giving us courage, uh, shaping our very flawed character. Uh, We have God's spirit giving us words to speak and even in the inadequacy of our words uh, for someone to hear uh, what god is speaking through us even for all our bumbling and so we have a commitment to honor god and we don't know what god's going to do with it Uh, god might do great things through us God might choose to do very humble things through us but whatever he chooses our responsibility as followers of christ is to be a light in the world and you never know Uh, what God will choose to do through those very humble conversations. So let me pray uh, that we might be light and that God might choose to work through us. Dear Lord, we do uh, thank you and we're overwhelmed by the honour that you've given us, that you would call us to be a light in the world. Uh, Lord, help us to live up to that and we're thankful that you give us your spirit. And Lord, we pray that you might work through us you might work through our relationships in our home, in our work, in our community, uh, that we might be a light to the world, that people might see the difference you make in our life and they might see the need to come back to you. And so, Lord, help us to honour you in everything we do. Amen.